Welcome to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mandana Yousefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. Hey, do you have a second? Can you quickly check that you're subscribed to our podcast? We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Fountain app. And make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. That way you know every time there's a new episode of the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. Now let's get back to flirting. Hey, Ian. Hey, what's up? Last week was pretty enlightening for me. I have been hearing about NFTs for a really long time, and the way that you explained it to me, and then the conversations I've had with other people about the episode, it does seem like it's a scam, and knowing that makes me feel a little bit more calm. Well, that's good. Yeah, I've been saying for a while, like... (laughs) You really only want to focus on Bitcoin. Yeah, you do say that all the time. But before you got to that point, were you feeling that way too when you would hear about a lot of other things? When I first came to the cryptocurrency space, it was Bitcoin and it was Ethereum. Those were like the two main players. And Ethereum was like the new kid on the block. I mean, it'd always be the new kid on the block because Bitcoin is the invention. But there was a lot of stuff going on in the Bitcoin world that kind of led me to believe that it was a project that was like falling apart. And this was like during the time of what was called the block wars or different people in the community were saying that they wanted to make some changes to Bitcoin. There were a lot of people that did not agree with that. So rather than try to figure out how to come to a consensus on the Bitcoin project, they forked off and made their own project. Forked off. (laughs) Yeah. So you basically just take all the code, you copy it, you paste it somewhere else, then you just start making the changes you want to. Now you no longer are compatible with the Bitcoin blockchain, but it's basically Bitcoin. Then there were all these other projects that kind of seemed newer is better, right? Because usually in the technology world, like newer is better. Ah, that's a really good point. I do think that's why all of these new companies that you hear about are projects Because they're the new hot thing, everyone wants to pay attention to it because maybe that'll make them rich. If you get in early enough on any of these altcoins, you will probably make money. Are altcoins just any coin that's not Bitcoin? Yes. Okay, well, let's get into it. So we have Bitcoin and altcoins. Tell me about altcoins. <laughs> because the Bitcoin project moves very slowly in the, in the early days, a lot of people wanted to make some pretty significant changes to how Bitcoin worked. And rather than try to work through the process of making those changes on Bitcoin, they just go make their own coin. So what is the process to make changes to Bitcoin? I mean, it's really like change management, but it's completely distributed, right? Like this is a software project that anyone in the world can join. Like anyone in the world with a computer can make a proposal of how they think Bitcoin should be changed. Obviously there's some pecking order to whose ideas are given more validity, but a good idea is in theory a good idea and will rise to the top. So what's an example of a change that's been made that rose to the top of this process? I mean, the most recent change, change that went out, I want to say it was like September or October last year is called Taproot. Yeah, fun fact, everyone. I think this conversation was when I first told Ian he needs to do something (laughs) and talk to other people about Bitcoin. I remember hearing about Taproot and you explaining to me the process that I don't exactly remember. And I thought, wow, what else in the world changes this way? The change is made 
everyone can start coding to it in anticipation that it's going to be live. If you're a person who makes a wallet, for example, or if you're a person who makes like an app and you want to actually incorporate some of the features that Taproot provides, you're just waiting for the entire network to say, okay, if you create a transaction that uses features that were in the Taproot upgrade before it's activated, your transaction is going to just going to get revoked because it's not compatible with the Bitcoin network. But after it's activated and live, the network will say, yes, that's a valid transaction. Not only did Taproot provide like new functionality to Bitcoin, but it actually also has now paved the way for really getting any change into Bitcoin, right? Like if you get your BIP approved, the code change is made. Well, the way that we decide if your change is valid is you just push it out. And if people upgrade their, their code, if then that's their way of voting, aka that's their way of creating consensus that like we agree with this change, we will support this change. So these altcoins, do they make changes to their software the same way? I can't speak for every single project because there's thousands of them, but <laughs> wow. But the reason why they are altcoins is because they didn't want to have to go through that change process. And that's where the big distinction between Bitcoin and all these other coins start. From day one, Bitcoin was a consensus network. These altcoins from day one are someone went and created a company that they run that is going to make a right. software product. So with that distinction, then one person or a group of people can control the decisions around how this cryptocurrency operates versus in Bitcoin, you need over half of the network to agree to it. Yes. So immediately just knowing that we should always be suspicious of altcoins. Yeah, that's where the suspicion starts, right? Okay. Like, why do you need to be in control? Because there's a project that's doing what you claim to be doing where no one's in control and it's working fine. So what are the different responses that altcoin companies have in response to that question? I don't know what their explicit responses are, but the basic pushback from, I would say, the altcoin community is... Why do you care? Why do you care that we exist? This is how we want to do our thing, right? Like we want to have a CEO. We want to market our coin. We want to like market to the world. We want to tell people that our product is better. Why do you care that we do that? And it's not necessarily that the Bitcoiners care that they do that. It's that they tend to do that while saying, well, we're also better than Bitcoin at what Bitcoin does. So what claims do they have in that department? What are they doing better than Bitcoin? Well, this goes back to the, the conversation from last week, which is a lot of these things are just solving problems that have already been solved and using like this cryptocurrency slant. When you're creating a company to make a specific product, you're basically making an app. But you're really part of the current system. You're going to have venture capital, right? You're going to go raise money. You're going to have investors. Well, investors are going to want to see some progress now, right? Investors are going to have their own ideas of how the project should move. Once you have that incentive structure in place, number one, you can't be money. We're calling them cryptocurrencies, right? Well, if you have a person in charge that can just decide things on a daily basis, you can't be a currency. Yes. And so what is it instead? Last week we said NFTs are basically digital beanie babies. And it seems like altcoins are these tokens or digital coins that right. you're trading the US dollar or Bitcoin for. Bitcoin is their gold. In the physical world, we have real gold. In the digital world, we have Bitcoin. And these altcoins, whatever value you want to attach to them, it is derived from how many of those does it take to get Bitcoin? <laughs> so their value is intrinsically tied to the value of Bitcoin. When the market like sells off and has like crazy stuff happening, everything goes down at the same time. Bitcoin and its value is what moves that market. Everyone keeps saying that 
that Ethereum is going to flip Bitcoin, meaning its value will eventually be worth more than Bitcoin. The problem with that is most of these projects got their initial funding through a process called ICO. What's an ICO? It's an initial coin offering. So think of it like an IPO, mm-hmm. right? You want to make your own coin, but you got to hire software developers. You got to put a team together to do this. So you basically create your project, create a bunch of coins, and then you go sell them to fund the development. That is an initial coin offering. Where the scam comes in is that they're usually doing the second scam, <laughs> which is pump and dump. So we've heard this. This is what the Wolf of Wall Street movie is all about. Mm-hmm. You hype people up to buy a thing, and then once that doesn't the, even exist that yet. That doesn't even exist, right? Once the people have bought in enough, you and your original people who you sold those initial coins to, you all sell <laughs> mm-hmm. because you knew that this was not going anywhere. The people who got bought in on the hype are the losers. Here's more slang. They get left holding the bag, right? Mm. So do a lot of people talk about getting scammed by an altcoin company? Yeah, I mean, there's slang for it. One of the big you know, slang terms is getting rug pulled. Get the rug pulled out from under you. That's just like a running joke. It happens all the time. The biggest one that I could remember was a maybe sometime last year, this exchange and it was like South Africa or something like that. The founders disappeared with all of the, they just disappeared with all the Bitcoin. These scams, they all tend to play on the same idea. You're too late to Bitcoin. See how expensive it is? Mm-hmm. You should get in early on our thing. And then if it goes up, you're going to be rich. That's what they're playing in. To. They're playing into the fact that Bitcoin is very expensive. But Satoshis are still cheap. <laughs> exactly. And so they're playing into Bitcoin is expensive and they're getting all these people that are coming in on day one, not understanding what a Satoshi is, not understanding that you can buy one less than one Bitcoin. Right? And a Satoshi is? 100 millionth of a Bitcoin. So the scammers prey on the new people coming into the market. And while there are probably a lot of people who are in crypto, Most of the planet is not in crypto right now. So every day there's a new influx of people to be scammed. Right. You know, over the Super Bowl, Coinbase did that ad where it was just a QR code floating around. Got my attention. Got your attention, right? Got a lot of people's attention. Mm -hmm. I knew what the commercial was. I just scanned it because I wanted to see the page it took me to. But there were a lot of people who that was literally their first time hearing the word Coinbase. Scan a QR code. I understand that. What's Coinbase? (laughs) Oh, crypto. I've heard about this. Oh, they'll give me 20 free dollars if I just sign up. Okay. Done. Done, right? And now, because it's Coinbase, now you're in the casino. Now there's a hundred different coins being thrown at you on Coinbase. You went from knowing nothing and now having a hundred choices and you're expected to make the correct choice. Right, and in this world where everyone has Candy Crush on their phone and they're paying money for fake tokens anyways, I can only imagine how many people signed up and got sucked into Coinbase that day. Like if you wanna make an exchange and sell a bunch of tokens, that's fine. Like I, I don't have any problem with that. There needs to be a middle ground accountability for the scammers. I feel like Coinbase got really loose there for a while where they were letting a lot of projects onto Coinbase to buy in so their token could be bought and sold. Do they have to be vetted by Coinbase? Coinbase is the exchange, so they pick and choose which projects, you know, cryptocurrencies they want to integrate with and offer them for sale on Coinbase. I assume that there's some quid pro quo to get your scam project onto Coinbase. That's really interesting. So right now we're relying on Coinbase to be the regulators of altcoin companies. 
They're not even the regulators. It's just that if you and I had a coin today, we had the flirting with Bitcoin coin, right? <laughs> and we somehow got that coin onto Coinbase. It cost us nothing to create the coin, right? We go copy some code, we set it up, you get a million coins, I get a million coins, and then we somehow get on Coinbase. And we wow. say it's $1 and someone goes onto Coinbase and buys one token for $1. Now you have a million dollars and I have a million dollars. It's that simple. Where did our million come from? Yeah, we just how, does, how we just, does that work? That's the scam. We are the original people. Then we go out and convince other people to buy this token because whatever price it gets to, the coins that we had, they were free. Ah, I see. There was no work put into creating those coins. Ooh, what a major scam. Exactly. So that's why all the ICOs are intrinsically scams because all they're doing is creating stock without going through the channels to create stock. But the SEC is coming after those guys. Chairman of the SEC, Gary Gensler, before he was chairman of the SEC, he was at MIT teaching Bitcoin. <laughs> and so he's literally on record while teaching the class, basically saying Bitcoin is really the only cryptocurrency that passes the scrutiny of the SEC. All these other altcoins have basically committed securities fraud. Wow. That case is still ongoing right now. There are There's a couple of investigations going on. But based on his words, the community has kind of just taken this stance of what are the odds that they're not going to crack down on all these ICOs? The chairman has said he sees those others as securities and thus have committed securities fraud. What type of person or what type of team of people are out here creating altcoin companies? That would lead me to believe that I should be suspicious of anyone trying to come at me asking for an investment in their altcoin company. I want to go on record as saying not all altcoin creators are like evil scumbags, <laughs> right? I'm not trying to say that. But what I am saying is that with what we know today, if somebody today says, I got an idea, I'm going to create a cryptocurrency company and I'm going to have an ICO, they either A, have not been paying attention to the industry that they are about to enter, thus you should not give them money and exactly. invest in them, <laughs> or B, they have been paying attention to the industry that they're about to go into, and they're okay with trying to pull off the same scam that the chairman of the SEC has said is basically a scam. It's incredibly suspicious, and it makes me really worried for what people are doing with their money. It's very similar to the NFTs. People see people making money. If someone comes to me and says, hey man, my friend's a really smart guy and he wants to start this cryptocurrency company, you can get in really early. Why wouldn't you want to help out your friend helping out a friend, right? You don't even know what you're really getting into. So there's a significant number of people that were those initial people that got those coins who don't know enough to know what they're actually putting their money into. I say those people are innocent to a certain extent, but the people who are sitting there waiting for the price go up to go up knowing that they're going to sell and then do sell those are the people that Ooh, those are they're basically the jordan belfers of 2021 mm -hmm. 22 right but the biggest one is ethereum the biggest scam yeah full disclosure ethereum has actually burned me <laughs> I still think Ethereum as a concept is a very interesting project. So what they've done is they've created this global distributed network that actually does compute. So Bitcoin doesn't really do any compute for you. It just writes a line of text down in a file. 
But the Ethereum network, you can actually like put a piece of code on the Ethereum network that anyone now can execute if they pay in Ethereum to execute it. And for me as a software engineer, I just think that that's very interesting. Basically take AWS, the thing that powers the internet and almost turn it inside out where I don't have to create an account and pay money to Amazon to get my code executed. I literally just pay money to this network now that is in theory, this egalitarian group of engineers that are providing compute power to make this network function. So why is it a scam? Well, number one, it was an ICO. They printed up a bunch of coins and sold them off. And then there's literal video recording of them admitting to as much. So they made a big public thing like buy into Ethereum early, give us Bitcoin for Ethereum. Wow. All right. <laughs> they set it up where you as an individual could buy as many coins as you wanted. So it turned out that while it was open to everyone, really only a few people bought in and they kind of knew that that's how it was going to go down, but they wanted to make it seem like it was open to everybody. Basically, they enabled people to mask the fact that they were buying more than was actually allowed for a single individual. So that's, so that's their origin story. Wow. Then on top of that... Wait, and these people are still in charge of Ethereum? Yeah. So within the last five years, six years, they've made unilateral changes. There was no consensus. They just came out and said, this is how it's going to be, right? And while there was some discussion about it, if the people in charge say it's going to be that way, you just react. So one of those changes is this upgrade to the version two of Ethereum. And what they did was they said, look, there's going to be this migration period. You can move your Ethereum to the version two network right now. Because one of the messed up things about Ethereum is that it's not backwards compatible. Like every time they've made these changes, it's a hard fork. You could wake up tomorrow and if you didn't upgrade, then you it's lost your stuff. Right. Wow. So they said version two is coming out. You can move your Ethereum to version two. And if you move it there, you can't move it back, but we'll like pay you interest on the Ethereum that's there in Ethereum. So it's like a savings account. That was supposed to go live January this year and it didn't. And everyone's Ethereum is still locked up. A lot of people locked up 32 Ethereum, which are currently trading at like two to $3,000 a coin, right? Okay. Well, the reason why they locked up so much is because of the design of Ethereum 2. They incentivize people to lock up 32 Ethereum and then haven't unlocked their Ethereum yet because they haven't actually done the upgrade that they said, if you lock up 32 Ethereum, you will benefit. So you don't have access to your money? It's like half an Ethereum that's literally locked up. It's just sitting on Coinbase. I can't do anything with it. <laughs> I can't do anything with it. I can't move it. I can't sell it. So like that's Ethereum. That's the best they can do. I think the flirting's over. Let's get married, Bitcoin. <laughs> I joke. I joke. I'm not totally ready to commit yet, but really like no one else on the scene is worth my time. <laughs> That's what I gather. Ethereum is the number one altcoin. And it's got, what did I just list off? Three sketchy things about it. <laughs> Why haven't I heard about this delay in deployment of the version two of Ethereum? I mean, you haven't heard about it from me because I just stopped talking about Ethereum. <laughs> um, but you don't hear about it because lately Bitcoin has taken a lot of the air out of the room. And unless you're really in the space and you're in the NFT space, for example, so NFTs are big on Ethereum. So the NFT world cares about the mm -hmm. V, like, so you got to be in certain spaces to hear news about what's going on. To hear the honest truth about what's going on. Well, the truth, you can just Google Ethereum and you that's just documented history, but you got to like, you'd have to be in, want to know about it. You'd have to be flirting with it. You have to, exactly, <laughs> exactly. 
hence the podcast flirting with Bitcoin. It's like the best they can do is Ethereum and that's some trash. So just focus on Bitcoin, learn as much as you can about it. And the more you learn, the more you'll be able to identify that all these are, are scams. Well, you've convinced me, babe. <laughs>